Hello and welcome to the Junkyard Love Podcast. I have uh, I've deleted podcast episodes, multiple episodes. I've deleted entirely. Uh, I've forgot to re- hit record like till I was twenty minutes or so in, more than once. Uh, I've I've fudged it. <laughs> <laughs> some of my best ones, or uh, I guess uh, some of the better ones, yeah, they have had like either like major technical issues, like someone drops out halfway through, and you don't know until editing or they just vanish like you ever had to file just vanish you're like where where did it go mm-hmm. yeah i i have a ton um frustrated like i feel like my computer sometimes deletes things without my permission it happens with tracks all the time too um yeah or i will oh, sucks i like to record my audio separate in um in my daw i like i use ableton so i record it in there just so i can edit it later and make it sound fancy and i had a ton of them that just like all of the files that i recorded got deleted i mean i had the zoom backup so i was able to use it but i still really don't know what i did to delete a ton of my own recordings from podcasts (laughs) oh man dude i have ableton live and i have never opened it (laughs) it's daunting dude it is so intimidating it's a staircase just looking at it, I'm like, I don't even want to open. I'm just going to leave you. You look pretty on the desktop. That's about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. And you could tell people you have it. Like, yeah. Yeah. I got Ableton Live. No big deal. <laughs> Man, so, so it's actually my main weapon. I still, I mean, there's so, I still suck at it. I think um, I've been using it. It's been my main thing for a long time. But luckily, I had the Ignorance is Bliss. I didn't realize that it was like, like super difficult to start on it was just one that i had heard of when i first started mm-hmm. thinking music is cool to try to make mm-hmm. um and i was like all right well that's, that's the one and i had a friend help me out and like you know crack it um and just started cracking on it and just because i've been forced to use it and using it so much i mm-hmm. kind of know my way around it but mm-hmm. yeah it's a i mean i don't know that i could teach anybody how to use it <laughs> yeah you have well that's really cool that's gonna uh and I mean, the tracks you sent me like that have that specific style. That's like almost like this beat poetry, mm. um, like train tracky beat poetry vibe with like the like just generally has like this calm meditative uh, trail to it. I feel like that's the best way, man, because like I myself have I've taught myself guitar Um and like I specifically was a very much a hard ass about never learning any covers or any other songs or whatever. Like, and so, but what what that does is when you when you get into it and you're just dick deep in the in the mystery of music, you develop your own style. And you know, 
it though it takes a very 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 long time longer than you know being classically trained and learning theory and scales and everything you still get to envelop your own truth through the music mm-hmm. um and through that time and that you put in that hard work and so it's it is quite quite a journey and uh that's impressive man to teach yourself ableton like that is no small feat you know you put <laughs> yeah. that on your gravestone yeah bro you youtube is is my bff deal for sure like i spent a lot of time on youtube and just trying shit and again like i still i feel like i i if i had somebody who was really good at ableton over my shoulder i'd be like yeah i i kind of know ableton I, like i feel like i wouldn't be very sturdy <laughs> like i wouldn't say it with my chest like yeah i know ableton you know just because there's so many layers like dude, the people who are good at that program are good at that program really all of these programs are like there's levels to it i, I can work my way around it and i can make some shit sound like cool and and i can figure out how to get your mic or get your vocals over some tracks and stuff but there's there's levels to it bro uh hey also i was thinking about when you were just saying like going through the route of learning music you know in the non-traditional way not only like not reading music but like kind of just teaching and like falling into it and just like the hours of listening to yourself sound so bad <laughs> like trying to find occasionally sound good like was, was that was that a process for you of like like getting through the frustrating part of i know there's something good in here so just keep fiddling <laughs> around and yeah i mean you you know me i mean so for people that don't know we we uh we've known each other for a very long time since since the high school days yeah and um i've always been kind of just like a a little bit of a fringe weirdo on the on the social groups and things you know i'm like i kind of fit in here kind of fit in there but it's always a it's always just been a little weird so i liked weird things and (laughs) so to me though they might have sounded cool when i would play for other people uh it would just kind of like the timing and the rhythm wasn't something that was like what you would consider to be catchy Mm. it's not your floor on the floor that everybody's used to exactly and like you know for me being such a hard ass and growing up really loving punk music and wanting just to be different like i've always really you know we all strive for that uniqueness or that that difference um but you know when i when i was growing up i was just like i you know like sometimes it was in the forefront of my mind like i need to be a crazy son of a bitch i need to be crazy i need to be dare i need to be wild like i feel like i need to be wild and so you know but as you get older it's just like you know that little bit of that youthful spirit you know it lingers in the back and you're like oh i don't know if i should follow it and it's like weird you do feel this this uh the the youth and and the growing up like kind of getting farther apart um so i'm trying to hold on to that with like Mm. all of my might yeah isn't it such an art to hold on to it and like try to decide how much like do i keep a little peter pan in me do i do i yes i'll tighten my you know shirt and tie but i'm gonna throw my denim jacket over it you know what i mean like yeah yeah because you you certainly have had that um like you know punk rock vibe to you like edge of everything i I feel like you were certainly so i saw you as someone who was like friends with absolutely everybody like you were just everybody got along with you everybody had something nice to say about you i feel like you were such a chameleon in that way definitely chameleon-y uh and like the the truth about it all at the end of the day is that like i'm a i'm a big i'm a big loner because i'm a scorpio and like i didn't really fully embrace my scorpio archetype 
Scorpios for days. Scorpios. But we really enjoy our alone time and being underneath our rock and our shade and low lighting. We like low lighting. We like ambient lighting. We like vibes. We like chill. Um, and so, you know, it's funny because like generally, you know, we don't notice these archetypes unless you're like, you know, completely raised by some mystic hippie uh voodoo parents <laughs> but uh you know like you'll you'll notice that if when you look back at your youth you're like oh my god i was fulfilling these these <laughs> archetypes that like i've always had because your celestial chart has always been a part of you and as you go through the process so like if you start to understand astrology now and then look back at what you're doing in your youth you find that you were fulfilling those archetypal roles like even as a youth so um I definitely got along with everybody. I really like, I like, you know, I never really got in a lot of confrontations. Like the most of confrontations were like, you know, some of the assholes I clung myself to, like my, one of my best friends, Rashad, you know, he was always getting in confrontations. I was like, so I guess I'm getting in confrontations with this guy as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah dude, that's our path. Sometimes that's, that's how it is. I mean, I, I, I love all of my, my friendships that I had in that way. Where it's like at that time, that was exactly like what I needed. And I love that person to death. But it's so interesting and fun and cool to like see yourself now and go like, oh, I was like working out this thing that like, of course, I was working out, you know, of, of course, I was going through that that process. Yeah, that's wild. Um, yeah, dude, it's I'm, not I mean, easy. So, so have you been... I mean, you just started to mention astrology and stuff like we haven't even got a for anybody listening. We haven't really got a chance to catch up that much, man. I would yeah. like, we haven't hung out since high school. It's been, we graduated in 2010. So, <laughs> I mean, it's been a grip. So yep. bro, can you like, this is the most impossible thing, but can you give me like a, what have you been up to for the last, you know, decade or whatever? <laughs> 13 years. Yeah. Oh shit. Okay. Um, yeah, and, man. and like we have time too. So like dive into like, what, what are you into nowadays? What do you love doing? Like all of it, give me it all. Oh my goodness. So, um, Jake and I have rekindled because we both have podcasts now. And so, you know, that was a really great way for us to just be like, Hey, you want to hang out? Like yeah. on the it's internet? It's what millennials do now. <laughs> Grown man millennials do this kind of shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, dude, it's been a slow process, man. It's been a slow process. Um, I, I originally like out of high school, like I wanted to go to Le Cordon Bleu and be a chef. Like that's what I signed up for my senior year of high school. Food has always been a passion of mine. Um, I even have chef tattooed on my hands. Food is an art, um, flavor and community of like feeding people has always rung true. Like I love it. Um, I, I, I love the aspect of people getting together of friend meals. Like I cook for everybody all the time. I go home. It's not grandma cooking holiday meals. It's your boy, you know? But the thing is, is actually I met, I met a, I met a girl, uh, so I'll give people a little bit of more insight. So came to Kelso High School, right? Like switched senior year from this other school in our town to go to this other bigger school because me and my friend were fed up with like the the bull, the the bull hunkery over at this other school. <laughs> so we're like, let's go transfer to Kelso where the people yeah. are cooler and like, you know, see what's up. And I found myself uh, actually dating this incredibly beautiful woman that was incredibly out of my league. And 
you know, she was really popular in all these things. And uh, this was Raquel, uh, Raquel Flowers, who is just, I, lo I love her to death, but man, you know, she is just, she is wild, bro. <laughs> and then I, I fell in love with somebody who you would almost consider at the complete polar opposite end with this, her name is Rebecca. And she was the, like the most, one of the most emo girls in the entire school, right? Like she'd got caught, like, you know, slitting her wrist in the bathroom, like hanging out with a prominently really hardcore gay dude. Like she was, you know, so going from this, uh, you know, from this realm to this realm where we were just completely enveloped in emotion, that's where I found myself being able to feel more truly who I was because I'm in, you know, like Scorpios, we we're deep, deep emotion. Like we want to get to the real grit. And I'm not talking like happy, sad. I'm, I'm talking like dark blood, like, you know, in a cavern on the ground in the forest, like just the, the true, true, true heartbeat of life, the shadow side of life. Mm -hmm. And, um, so we fell in deep love and we dated for about three and a half years. And she, uh, was going up to uh, Western Washington University. And I was like, well, I already have applied and signed up and got all my grants worked out for chef school, but I guess I'm just going to throw all that in the wind and, and go with you up to here. And then I started to dive incredibly deep into psychedelics and mm. started having, um, that's where I had my first out-of-body experience. And this out-of-body experience was I was walking on the street in Bellingham, Washington. It was winter time, you know, half an hour away from the Canadian border, incredibly cold. And I had my spirit. I like I had to lay down like on the ground. I just remember like looking wow. up and I had my spirit leave and go out to what I what you would consider to be the atmosphere. It was the outside of the atmosphere. Mm. And I was just like a blue energy i was like a blue light and i was just nestled what up psychedelic was this this was <laughs> you know what this was like actually a culmination of a couple things okay. um it, it is bellingham i get you yeah yeah you, <laughs> it is a wild town and i have stories about that town all day uh and it was like it was actually an amalgamation of uh you know acid lsd but really it's like do we even know if it's sure. that you know sure. yeah and, and, and you know it, it's, it's not it's like the substance doesn't contain the experience you know it's 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 <laughs> you know <what> i mean <laughs> i like how you just animated that as well that was beautiful yeah, yeah clip that jamie um I'm, so, I'm sorry carry on uh yes okay so you're you're above your body this is fascinating i love this i love like any sort of out-of-body near-death experience oh okay. man and it it really it took me a while to digest this too because i don't even think when i came back into it i don't even think i remembered it for like months um but so basically what it was it was like me going and being there and i wasn't in my body i was the light in the blue i was the blue body just like everyone else around me was and when i went up there i just remember like touching proverbial blue energetic elbows with each other and it was just like i was like whoa like where are we you're down there and i was like whoa and it lasted two seconds and then i went i went straight back in and then here it was and so it was just like 
you know, after leaving home and then just being bombarded with these mind opening, mind altering experiences, while also being in an incredibly codependent relationship, mm. um, was like learning so much about, about relationships in general. Like, and I think that's been a huge part for me, like, you know, cause I've always been in like these like really deep relationships but i'm an introspective kind of guy where I'll like you know i'm not afraid to 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 ask you know the, the hard questions and to be like is this right like should i be in this like am i going to force myself to be in this relationship even though i know deep down that i i i don't want to be or like it's halting me in some way like it's halting my progression and so i had to leave and shortly after leaving there, after dropping out of school, which I only like mildly regret at this point. How old are you about at this age by, by now? Um, I had left, I'm just about, I'm uh, in between 19 and 20, okay. uh, I think 20. And then I go move down to Portland where I started this, wanted to be like stand-up comedy. So I did some stand-up, I started writing jokes. Um, I started getting into some short films I had about three short films that I had done and I was about to get my screen actors guild and um, I got this role. I got this role. It was a paid gig. It was a good gig. And I was so excited that I went on to Facebook and I nailed the audition. I got the call back. I got the gig, right? I get on Facebook. And I'm just like, Oh, what up everybody? I'm so excited. I got this, you know, I got my first paid role, whatever. And the director was actually on Facebook and she sees it and she's just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You're pre-production. You're not supposed to say anything. Cause it was about a short story. And I like shared the short story that the, the film was going to be about. Oh, and shit. she blew up on me and she oh, was just no. like, she's like, you'll never work in this town again. And I was like, what? <laughs> Damn, I was excited. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just excited. I'm like a young kid, dude. Like, I don't know. I didn't know you can't say anything about movies or whatever. It wasn't even a movie. It was a very, you know, it was a two thousand dollar paid gig. Whatever. And so after that, like, I just, um, you know, I was living in my friend's uh living room, right? It was literally living. I was like doing like I was even. Do <laughs> I'm already here, so I'm just gonna say it. I was doing like webcam stuff, like get oh, naked damn. in front of the webcam in my friend's living room when he would go to work. <laughs> oh, this was like pre-OnlyFans too. This was like, oh, yeah. you're like the original OnlyFans hipster. Like you were doing it before. <laughs> Everyone was getting made, paid like big bucks on it. It was some creepy sites, man. It would be like, oh. you'd just be there naked doing this. And then people would just like, they'd go to your thing. They'd tip you or they'd just keep going. And so... I, I even tried to branch out on that. I made a couple Craigslist posts back when Craigslist used to have like the the sexy section. Yeah. And I was like, looking for a woman to make love on the webcam so we can make money. Hey, <laughs> hey man, got to pay the rent somehow. <laughs> it, those, those were treacherous experiences going to meet um, the people that responded to me on Craigslist. And <laughs> so what happened was is I needed a serious shift because I was doing incredibly dark comedy where i was like using really really vile language to try to break open this void of like people need to not be so clung to language mm -hmm. to words to being so hurt or triggered by words that was like the point of my comedy was trying to okay. 
trigger people to hopefully access something in them that would allow them to be less triggered. Because words, so like, you know, later in the deep, deep later, as of now, you know, I'm, I, I understand that the English, modern English language that we have now is actually a magical labyrinth that has been created and curated through thousands of years of magical workings. Mm. Um, so but I didn't know that when I was young. I just knew that there was a bunch of bullshit going on. I was trying yeah. to break the void. Yeah. So I was at my you're wits. Punk head. rock at your core. You had to throw some rocks at that. You know. <laughs> I, was I, like, I got you, man. Fucking window. Yeah. And so I was. I was. I was at. I was at a proverbial bottom to me. And uh, you know, like I didn't like trying to sell my body and do all these things. So I had called my mom and I was just talking to her and she's just like, "Well, why don't you just." go move to Hawaii. Like, you know, like, don't you know that we have a friend out there who has a farm? You can go work and live on his farm. It's like, no, no mother. I did not know that we have somebody that I know I could go work on. You never mentioned this (laughs) 20 years later. And so it, it was, I think a week and a half after that phone call where I was just, I just decided to move out to the Island. And that's really when I think everything really shifted for me because, mm. you know, um, I went there and I didn't leave for three years after that point. Like I was there and I was, I was stuck like a magnet on a fridge mm. because the magnet, the magnetized energy that is there, the magmatic, the volcanic energy, let's just put it this way. Oh, we were talking about it on the Von Gold episode, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. With dolphins and whales and they have magnetite clusters in their head as do humans, we are attracted to the magnetic parts of the earth. And Texas, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, is incredibly magnetic. Um, hollow caverns, salt mines, crystal mines, limestone. I found out that Austin, Texas was a huge limestone quarry. And mm-hmm. limestone is what they would use to build the fucking pyramids out of. Uh, one of the main materials. So like the heavy magnetic draw that it has like it's a very conductive material used as a jolly uh geopolymer so um we're we're drawn and attracted to these places yeah uh uh, tyler daniels i don't know if you ever met tyler daniels he graduated with us as well um Mm -hmm. he's down here with 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 me as well he's he's got his own place and everything but uh he's become very into pyramids and like researching that he's like read all of graham hancock's books and stuff um oh dude have you watched the new netflix uh I, I have not watched it yet, man. Yeah, I, I haven't watched it yet. It's it's on my list to watch, but I do love Graham Hancock and I um, follow some of his stuff. I have not read his books, but I always really enjoy when he's on podcasts and stuff. Dude, I have yet to watch the documentary either and I really, really, really want to. Yeah. Uh, need to because I heard, I heard it's great. And when it gets that much controversial uh, f- feedback, yeah. you know it's good. Yeah, it, it's funny what's going on. I, it's hard because I'm not sure what... I think that my view of it through social media is being painted a certain way. So I'm not really sure what the truth is. So I'm, it's hard for me to truly discern what's going on, but it seems like they're doing this whole, um, saying that what Graham has to say is false or it's like pseudoscience mm-hmm. because they don't want to change like the mainstream quote unquote merit narrative. Um, and so they're trying to like get it recategorized. Um, but again, I don't know, like the, like literally saying mainstream narrative already 
paints me into this world of like I don't really know entirely what I'm talking about. So. <laughs> I fucking love that, dude. You're incredibly truthful, and I love that about you, brother. Mm. Uh, I haven't al- I haven't always been, man. That's something that I very much pride myself on trying my best to be truthful. It's it's like the only way to live for me. It's I I will be I have to be 100 percent truthful now. It's, I don't have another option. You got to break the patterns. That's growing up. That is maturing, you know, and one of the hardest things to do is to one, notice the pattern mm. and the two, to break the pattern. Yeah. N- notice it and not turn away, I think is is a huge thing. I think um, you can make a habit of of uh, noticing it and reacting in a different way or, or you know, creating. I mean, that's a lot of how, how the ego builds its armor, right? You know, it's, it <laughs> puts up another wall, n- noticing it and like, okay, what do I do when I notice that thing? Instead of being truthful with it, I put up this guard, you know? So, um, okay, I'm sorry. I derailed you with uh, with this Graham Hancock uh, pyramid limestone. Okay, so you're, you're in Hawaii, Roman. You're in Hawaii now. You're magnetized oh, yes. to this place. And um, I, all my dreams came true. I mean... Hawaii to me is it was more than um, dreamy beaches um, or you know a vacation. It all it like even going into it, I didn't think I was gonna go have a vacation. Like I knew I was gonna go work. I really wanted to work. I love work. Working makes me happy, um, and farming makes me happy. You know when I did when I when I switched my um, focus in school from culinary. Well, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to regular college. What am I going to do? I wanted to get into sustainability and um, agriculture and, you know, sustainable agriculture and, and all these things. So me going to go work on a farm was a dream in general and, you know, so on and so forth. The place was like, I was like, great, like Hawaii, that's awesome. But the deep penetrating uh, energy that's there is is undeniable, like just having had lived there off and on for about a decade now um, <clears throat> really has shown me there's something deeper going on there spiritually that a lot of people like because one it's like there's so many beautiful magnificent islands for people to go vacation and visit to but Hawaii is one of the number one world touristy places like for cross like for germans for french for japanese for chinese for americans everybody in the world goes to hawaii that's because it's one of the seven chakra points of the planet so people are heavily attracted to it there and it's almost like you have to go to it and through it at some point in your life that energy vortex that lives there to to have to have the fully optimized experience. So hmm. I think people will go there for a vacation and not knowing that they're actually having a deeper spiritual lesson at that same time. Hmm. And people will try to move there for reasons that they don't know why they just felt a calling to go move there. And they get there, they have crazy experiences and what we what we call getting chewed up and spit out. Then there's people who go there and they never leave because they've just been they've been ingested by Pele. And so, you know, there's these major workings, these spiritual workings that are happening. And for me, I didn't really notice it until I had left the island for the first time in the three year period and came back 
to the States, moved back to Portland with a, with a woman, started doing that whole thing again. That's when I was able to look back and be like, oh my God, like I've completely shifted everything mm. in my being. And I don't even think I did it to me. I think, I think it would happen to me. I, I didn't do any of this. Like I've changed, I'm different. And I don't know what I did to do that. I think I was just inhabited by the, by the geographic location. Mm. You know, it's just crazy. It is, it's mind blowing, man. Okay. So, so, so far, I feel like the couple uh, instances that you've mentioned, does there feel like, like they're like versions of you? Like there's a Roman before this time, like this time in Bellingham, when you have this like out of body experience, you have this like deep, profound love for this person. And it's like a, a cycle of like, wow, holy crap. I didn't know I could ever look at this whole experience like the way I did. I'm now a new person. I'm now, I've just cocooned into a new butterfly. And then like, you know, a couple years later, you end up in Hawaii, you have this new experience. You come back to Portland and you look back and you're like, oh my God, I had another like cocooning of a butterfly. Is that what's going on? Is that, is that kind of what you're saying? Is that? I, I think there's so many layers to us that we will never unveil all the layers. Like I think after you get to this other layer, there's another mm-hmm. layer there that you need to start working on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there's ever a point in this journey, in this life. And I think this is what like major magical magical beings like in history, like King Solomon or these different alchemists who are chasing the alchemical philosopher stone, that mm-hmm. eternal life here. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's ever a point of full transcendence on this physical plane. I think anytime you're going to be here, you're working on a layer and you're shedding it. And I think you can get through all the layers mm-hmm. until you hit that really, really thin point. But I think even when you bust through that final layer, you dissipate as a physical being. And then mm-hmm. you enter the spiritual realm, you enter the energetic realm, you enter and cross uh, the dimension. And, you know, I think that's what a lot of like um, <clears throat> these like metaphorical and an elegant. An allegory, no, allegorical stories. Allegorical philosophical stories are talking about when they talk about transcendence. Uh, You know, I, I, it's just, yeah, I think there's many, many, many layers to us, but I don't think we're ever going to be not peeling back the layers. Right. If you're being truthful with yourself. Maybe, yeah, sure. Potentially. Yeah, you, you might accidentally be adding more layers, which they'll come off eventually. You know, it's, <laughs> it's all your choice. <laughs> it's, it's your game. But uh, yeah, I, it, I don't know. I, I guess uh, I mean, I don't mean to impose that like on your whole on your whole story so far. But so far, that, uh, that seems like what it is to me is like, it seems like you've been on this path of kind of like, d- does it feel like you've been on a path of self-discovery? Because I feel like that seems maybe normal for a per- people like you and I to say. But uh, a lot of people wouldn't look back at like their their twenties and say, Oh yeah, I was on a path of self-discovery or like, you know, finding, (laughs) uh, finding out about myself or figuring out about, you know, my, my place in the universe. I'm not sure that everybody goes through the same uh, journey more and more are now that nowadays though. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's, I, I kind of weave in and out a lot of this, this concept of like simulation theory and you know because a lot of it makes sense but some of it makes a little too much sense <laughs> to where it's like hmm you know it seems a little little like a cop out to kind of say everything's a simulation 
Um, and then that would really mean that pe some people are NPCs. And to me, that just doesn't feel okay. You know, like just because somebody isn't going through as much of an awakening, awakening process of you doesn't mean you get to consider them a non-participating character. Mm. You know, I think that there's just maybe these people that, you know, are considered NPCs, they just, they haven't, you know, they're stuck in maybe a level of like, you know, where they, they just, who, who fucking knows, man? Mm -hmm. That is, it's very, very, very difficult uh, waters to tread. And yeah. so we can't really talk about other people. We yeah. can talk about ourselves, you know? Well, well, I don't feel comfortable to, to call anybody an NPC. I think that's rude and I don't think it's right. Well, look, brother, I think you said it just right. You said, uh, uh, you know, we're all on these different levels. And I think that's the way to see it. I, I actually have thought a lot about this NPC talk lately uh, because I think like the younger generations, um, it's like the most normal... Like it's really part of their vocabulary nowadays. Mm -hmm. Like this, you know, I, I love this, this like first, first person character energy. Like, have you heard all this sort of stuff? <laughs> I think, I think there, there is um, some powerful stuff in that, but it, I think we should tread carefully. Um, and the reason I say that you just said levels, there's like levels to it. Um, I feel like when I listen to a lot of like, you know, people who would like meditation teachers or like yoga teachers or people who have had near death experiences or people who are on some sort of spiritual path or, um, you know, maybe other people would consider their teachings to be a level of enlightened. You know, if you look at enlightenment, uh, the human path of enlightenment as, you know, a hundred story building and, and there's just levels. And I think that every person is on a certain level in like, you know, some people might think that they're like up, up, up in the sixties, but they're really like, we're all just probably under 13 or so, you know? <laughs> um, but, but I, I think the thing to remember is I think thinking about karma and like past lives and this sort of thing helps me remember that maybe this person that I'm talking to, maybe my Uber, dri Uber driver is someone I can consider, you know, an NPC. Maybe they're like really low level interaction with the things that I like. I believe that I'm really interacting deeply with these same exact subjects and I know the real truth of them. And like, as they're talking, you have all these things of like, oh, if only they knew what I knew and they're just repeating these things that they have no idea. <laughs> Bro, maybe they're just on like the third level of that story of, of, of all of our journey to enlightenment to get to the level 100 it's just part of being a human whether you choose to admit it or or, or uh, participate in it or not in this lifetime you're always on that path of the elevator going up you know on these floors mm -hmm. and some people are just on lower levels than you and you know maybe in 25 million years when they're on like the same level you're on now so so far as you think and you know they're on level 11 they can look down and be like, oh, okay, these people that are NPCs, I'm not better than them. I'm not different than them. I haven't like gained anything <laughs> more. They're just at an earlier stage of development of me in the karmic cycle of being consciousness. You know, yes, of, yes. Of existing. <laughs> and I love it when, you know, you have <clears throat> an experience with somebody who you would never think that it would have, like you, like in the Lyft car and the Uber car. And like, you start to talk to them just to like, kind of like shoot the shit and just to kind of like poke and prod to see where, <clears throat> see where they're at. And, you know, depending on your energy for the day, how playful you're going to be. But then you end up just having this mind blowing, like beautiful conscious conversation mm -hmm. with this complete stranger, almost like it was like meant to be. And, you know, just breaks the mold of like, you know, everybody playing their part in the system because 
Here's a good way. Uh, you know, one of the one of the great ways somebody explained it on a on a, uh, his name is Michael Wan, Susquehanna Alchemy, Susquehanna River. Um, he's he's on YouTube. He does does a lot of great stuff, and he's very very energetic too. So I love listening to him. <clears throat> but he 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 described something that that really stuck out to me, and it was. Um, you know, kind of breaking the mold of simulation. So we live in a simulation, in a societal simulation. Mm-hmm. Now there's a societal simulation, which is society, which has been created. You, you, you have the cornerstone of society. You have rules, you have foundation, you have money, you have all these rules and parameters that make the simulated version of reality, which is society. But then you have the cosmic simulation, a cosmic code, algorithms that fit in on a mineral level on a gas level on a bigger atmospheric universal level and so it's almost like we individually are on these different levels of the building levels of Mm. where we're at Mm. but at the same time society also since we've created it to be its own living being is goes through its levels and then the planet itself is also working through these different levels <clears throat> and so it's fractal <laughs> it's fractal every it's it's just we're all like you yeah, know yeah, yeah. tenderizing out dude it's it's nuts it's insane and, and all the little fractals are like i'm the one i'm it all, all the little hair follicles are saying i am everything it's all it's me <laughs> it's me and it's just completely exploding and moving in, in, in infinite directions and infinite speed forever and we're like no it's me <laughs> uh, uh, hey do you do you have um uh i mean i mean i mean you're, so you're talking in this way in, in um did you have what you would consider, I mean, through these experiences, it sounds like an uh, 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 accumulation of these sorts of things, but did you, would you ever have any sort of like, this was my spiritual awakening? Like there's for sure Roman this day and Roman, like afterwards, like where you kind of discovered, cause even like going back just a few minutes, you're talking about like the societal structures of who we are and like the ego self and like um, you know, I, I'm this person with this job, like even that level of like that initial speed bump of like waking up to the societal structures of like who you think yourself to be. Um, that is like, I mean, that's years worth of like working through your shit for a lot of people. I mean, it, I feel like it was for me. I, I feel like that, that alone was a profound awakening moment. Did you have any sort of like discovering that? that... I, I've been lucky, dude. I've been lucky because <clears throat> I was blessed with seeing the hmm, trying to find the right vocab for this when i was a kid i knew the system was broken mm-hmm. i knew the system was broken when i was a child and i knew it and it, it kind of hit me in a weird way i remember going to robert gray elementary school in longview washington and i was uh i was just sitting there and like i just i have this this kind of memory still it's kind of funny um, it was right before the cookie brigade and the cookie brigade was, and I was a fucking tyrant when I was a kid and I was lashing out for a lot of reasons that I, <laughs> I didn't quite know why. Um, but I think a lot of it is, is because I, I knew that there was just something unjust about mm-hmm. the system and I knew it was broken. So the cookie, the cookie brigade in sixth grade was, they stopped serving cookies to us in lunchtime. 
not okay. So we banded together, a band of sixth graders, and said, what are we going to do about this, boys? What are we going to do about this lack of cookies? Otis Spunkmeyer chocolate chip sunken in the middle, perfectly cooked. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. no way they're taking that away Down from with us. the man. Yeah. And, and we, we literally got 100 sixth graders to say, we want cookies, cookies, we want And we trolled through the, through the school, and there was this lady that we, uh, she wore like the yellow vest, you know, I can't remember her name, unfortunately. Bless her soul. We trampled over her. Oh my uh, God. She was like, stop, stop right there. And we're just like, no. And we just keep walking. And she like literally got like fell on the ground in the middle of 106 graders. And, uh, you know, of course, me and two other kids. Astroworlded. <laughs> I'm sorry. Jesus, that was a dark one. You're just a comedian, so I figured you'd appreciate it. Anyway, uh, no, the dark, the dark is the real. The dark is the light, man. Um, it's so, anyways. But yeah, dude. I don't know if I would cons- I don't know if there was a point when I ever told myself I was having a spiritual awakening. Um, I, because life itself is the spiritual awakening. Mm. And at some point you just fucking realize it. I do remember there was a time when I was having very profound spiritual experiences um that i i had like a a a spiritual ego at one point um with this Mm. woman this woman that i was dating because she kind of rubbed her energy off on me you know when you're in a relationship with somebody you kind of just your tendrils lock up together and you start to become intertwined and it it is the beauty and it's also not not all the beauty but you, you need to be weary (laughs) <laughs> of how much of other people's energies are on you and in you. And there's practices and work that you can do to make sure that's not happening. Um, like I'm getting, I have a, a clairvoyant that I work with. Um, and if you guys listen to rising from the ashes in the intro, I always will shout out her. It's Tobias Ogard. And she, she helps me go through a lot of, a lot of things. Like she is trained to, kind of tap into your energy and be like oh this is not yours let's let's get rid of that let's mm. pull that out of there and it took me a while to really settle in and be like this is actually happening and whether or not it's it's really truly happening energetically or it's just it's she's taking care of that in my mental process it still feels really good to mm. have that work done and so it kind of like kind of got lost on the question there but Dude, I don't know if I would ever consider myself having said like, oh, I'm going through it right now. But there's just, I kind of woke up a couple years after the fact. I think I was like kind of autopiloting going through that transition. And I really do think that Hawaii itself, the energy, the, you know, we use these words like energy, vortex, you know, things like that. When, when there's something, it's an umbrella term or something so much larger that really is hard to explain with with a word because it's a sound it's a vibration it's an it's a shift it's something bigger and deeper man so it's it's hard to explain really yeah the the Tao that cannot be named is not the eternal Tao. Uh, um yeah uh, yeah i i I do find i i found that a lot in this world uh, as i've like dove into you know the more spiritual side of things like all of these words are just completely like cocked way back 
Um, like so many people can, if you talk to me five years ago and you're trying to use, well, maybe not five years, maybe like when I was just like a teenager or, or early twenties, um, use words like, like energy and spiritual, like, I mean, energy, I guess, like being, being in the music world, like I would understand what you're talking about, but, um, I would really put boundaries up if you start saying words like spiritual and stuff, but there's a, there's definitely like so much that we're trying to clearly explain that's right on the edge of our words that we're like, you know, like the feeling and the energy and the, and you know, and the, like, we're just so, but the, the, the great thing is communication is beyond words. Like, like as you're explaining it to me, even through zoom, even through this camera and shit, I I'm, I'm saying, I understand. Yes. Yes, Roman, I get it, you know? So it's, it's we're, we're able to say it still, right? But but there is, it is frustrating. Like you almost wish that we could come up with like a, like a, a, a update or a software update to our language of like everything about our language is great, but like, can we just like, let's, you know, like when we get emojis, we get new emojis. Like sometimes we get a hundred of them. Like, let's just get a bunch more words. Like once every year, let's just update our, our language so we can at least a little bit know what we're talking about and communicate a little more clearly. But yeah. That sounds, sounds matrixy too. Like you just go into your pod. This is like the next day you wake up, just a hundred more vocab words. You're like, oh. <laughs> oh. Well, I mean, Neuralink, I'm not sure if you follow any of that with uh, Elon Musk, but Neuralink is going into human brains in six months. Oh, I... Oh, man. oh, like, like on the market or they, I don't think in the market, they're I think, doing I think, their testing. I think legal human trials is six months. I mean, I imagine bro, they've probably already done plenty of testing on humans yeah. and monkeys and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody told me they've already killed a bunch of monkeys, but I haven't looked into it. I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah. I, I've been looking into Neuralink for quite some time. Um, I've had, qualms with Elon Musk for a bit. Um, uh not not in the sense that like what he's doing but i actually because i'm a history nerd i fucking love history mm-hmm. and so i looked into elon musk's family i said well let, let's see what's going on deeper here and I, i'll give you a little <clears throat> little background on the musk family mm-hmm. um and uh it's it's really interesting and what what a lot of people need to understand <clears throat> is that it's not that he doesn't work hard and do all these things but he's he comes from money and he has had money a lot of money big family money that most of us would never understand this type of money um so his grandfather was a um very well-known chiropractor in canada in the late 19th century and chiropractors were actually like at high held at high regard as healers in the community and they, it was a really good job to have if you went to school for chiropractor uh, chiropractor you, you know only working on like people who could afford such practices and you know you're you're, you're doing a good job you're you're an md you know and so um but his grandfather actually started to get involved in the technocratic movement and the technocracy um regime was a part of this mm, like half of a secret society um half of like a business clan that was starting to get fueled up in the late 19th century in america well he was a big proponent in the canadian technocrats well what happened 
is they actually riled up against the local government, the technocrats did, and he actually got kicked out. He got imprisoned and kicked out of Canada. Hmm. And he had a bunch of money. And so he told his wife, he said, hey, babe, I'm a vigilante, baby. I'm kicked out of Canada. You want to take this personal plane and fly around the world and see the seven wonders? She's like, of course I do. I love you. Let's do it. So they got in their little plane and they started to fly around the world. Um, through there, they met all these, all these, the right people that they needed to meet. Some of them being the John D. Rockefeller when they were starting the uh, Standard Oil Company in the, um, in the, in the earliest of the 20th century, John D. Rockefeller and Henry Flagler. Um, who you know you just say that name a lot of times people are like mm, ears up radars up mm -hmm. but i can give you the history on, on john d rockefeller as well and the standard oil company but we won't get into that right now but they were friends with them and which meant that uh the business that they started when they landed their their final trip they landed their home in south africa where they got into the mining industry mining minerals in South Africa in the early 20th century. So when you're friends with John D. Rockefeller and these different other miners who run the oil oil business and you're mining rare and special minerals, you're a good person to have, uh, have in the back pocket there. Mm -hmm. So May Musk, Elon Musk's mother is born uh, in South Africa and she's beautiful. She's been a model. She was a you know, she was hanging out with Charles Manson and uh, she was in the original Charles Manson Helter Skelter book before they took her image out. Um, she was hanging out in Laurel Canyon with Bob Dylan and The Doors, Jim Morrison, like Laurel Canyon was popping off right at right at May Musk. Um, and, and her uh, popularity and fame started to grow and she became a model and so on and so forth. Uh, she then married another uh guy from South Africa whose family comes from mining. So both of Elon Musk's parents come from South African mining families. Mm -hmm. Deep, deep money, all puns intended. That money runs deep, brother. Mm -hmm. So you, you look at, um, at uh, you know, companies like Tesla and, you know, how we're getting lithium and things to make these very specific, high technologically advanced systems. Um, well, it all it all pays homage back to the ancient mining roots uh, that that comes from that, you know, so the access to these minerals and lifelong access to um, big, big, deep pockets of money. And so I think a lot of what we experience um, in the societal simulation is uh, a lot of it's like kind of like planned out in the sense mm. that like, you know, like, hey, you know, because things take a long time to put into place when we're talking about big, huge scale. Mm -hmm. And I think the plan to make oil obsolete has been, it's been a plan for over 50 years at the minimum, but you need a way for the, the, the families that have had this money, the families have access to all of these, um, these, these fortunes and, you know, these operations, it takes time for them to be like, no, we're going to go oil obsolete, but we need to make sure all of our finances are set straight mm -hmm. ahead of time, you know, and we need so to convince the public, we need to, you know, basically create the 
create the story of how it happens, you know? Yeah, yeah I agree with you. I, I think that I'm with you. I, uh, it, it's very easy to see with a little bit of history to see behind the curtains, you know, to like see mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, so he's actually just a pawn and like he's made to be loved by these people and, and blah, blah. It's frustrating, man, because I feel like it's impossible to look, I mean, you don't have to look that deeply nowadays into <laughs> much to find like, oh, I tripped over a giant cable that they just put on, they put a rug over it. And, and, and you like think, I feel like, you know, if I was a young person, if I was discovering all this stuff when I was like 15 or 16, I've, I feel like I would just be, you know, on the streets, like, um, you know, <laughs> like, like in catching things on fire. I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's, 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 I don't know, dude, like the older I get, the more you discover all these structures that are clearly like all just. I don't know that our input really even matters. I don't know that like we, we, we think that, I, I mean, I, I don't mean to sound that so nihilistic. I understand that that sounds so nihilistic, but I'm just saying it. like, like we, sometimes <laughs> we think we discover these things and it's like a smoking gun. And I feel that way often, but it's almost like, I don't know how else it's going to be. Like, I don't know. Like mm -hmm. it's, we're so, our story is so entrenched in itself. Like the, the, the truth is so far from, how we see reality that I don't even know if like trying to backtrack and get back to capital T truth, capital T truth and what's right is like mm -hmm. even going to put us where we think it will. I, I mean, I don't know, man. You have to work on your capital T baby. That's true. At that's all we day. can do, right? That's yeah. all we can really do. And that's all we, I we're supposed to do. That's literally actually a very important part of this whole thing. Even functioning properly is we all <laughs> have to make our own bed as, as old JP says, is that JP Morgan? JP, yeah, it's Jamie, JP Morgan. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Jordan Peterson. Oh, okay. Oh, well, JP Morgan had one of these quotes, and I was like, I was like, oh wow, I know JP Morgan. Quote. He had one <laughs> quote that was said: "Millionaires don't have astrologers; billionaires do." Oh shit! I've heard this actually. I didn't realize I heard this until you just reset it. Okay, can we open this door into astrology? I mean, so okay, you've also haven't mentioned. It sounds like you know a lot about astrology and like this whole world. Like, can you, I mean, even I, like knowing Scorpio and like that sort of stuff. Like a lot of people, you got to understand your, your basic listener is going to know like, like, oh yeah, like horoscopes. And I know that I'm like, yeah, I guess I'm like a Sagittarius. And like, I see mm -hmm. it three times a year. I look at my horoscope and it's like, oh, it kind of lines up. That's cool. But otherwise <laughs> like people don't know about it. Like, yeah. what, I don't know. Has, has this changed your view of yourself and your life and how you see the world a lot? You know, like the more you learn about it. Yeah. I'm um, looking at my bookshelf. I'm like, what can I grab really quickly <laughs> to kind of read? But, um, you know, it's so there are seven sacred sciences of antiquity that the people that have, you know, have had money and power for a long time follow these things. So all of our entire system that we run everything on comes from uh, comes from an old system. And nothing that we have now, like, I mean, besides like the specific technology that we have now is new. The systems that we're running upon and the psychology and, and philosophies that we're running on are actually incredibly ancient. That's why when you look at the dollar bill and you look at the back of it and you see all these like interesting symbols and things, you're like, what is this pyramid with a floating capstone and an eye in it? Like, what is this? It's an ancient philosophy. And so one of the seven sacred ancient philosophies is in fact, astrology and astronomy. So this is incredibly important. So when somebody like JP Morgan 
one of the richest, influential bankers of all of American history. Supposedly sunk the Titanic, by the way. <laughs> Fun story. Won't get into that now. But um, when he says something like millionaires, which a lot is money that a lot of us can't fathom, don't have astrologers, but billionaires, which is even more money that we can barely fathom, do. They have astrologers. What means is John D is one of the most famous magicians and occultists of history in English history. He's the original 007. He's the original. Um, he created the British intelligence system. He wrote, he was making huge birth charts for the Queen of England, Queen Elizabeth I, when the Renaissance period started. And they, they would hire him to say, when is she going to become queen? When is the coronation ceremony? And he gets on his chart, looks at the stars, you know, observation decks have been funded by huge, huge, huge political money, Tycho Brahe to create this um, observatory in Sweden on an island to look at the stars to map the stars. Everything that we actually function on is a based from astronomy and astrology and celestial observations. So it's intertwined within everything that we are and everything that we do, whether people want to fucking believe it or not. It doesn't matter. It is. We live in the celestial map. We are here. We are a part of the zodiac. We are a part of astrology. We live on a planet, you know, whether or not it's geocentric, heliocentric, it doesn't matter it is imbued upon our life. And so it has blown my fucking mind getting into all these things. And it, it it's taken a long time to to really, um, I, I don't know the arch archetypes of every, every single sign. I don't, I'm not an astrologer. Um, but what I do is I surround myself with people who are, mm. <laughs> that's the best way I know how to do it, you know, yeah. because we all have our skills. So I have another show called Moon Mysteries that I work specifically with a Canadian astrologer named Kaylee Burkana. And we just go into the mysteries of the moon. And she is amazing. And she is so smart, dude. She knows the, every single archetype of every zodiac sign. And, you know, through more than that, more than just like a, a, a two-dimensional circle on a piece of paper that has an animal shape and that has a similar no it's more than that we're talking about these move and as they move the archetype changes in every single dimensional shift that happens it morphs that's mm -hmm. why the second of your birth time is so important to actually know what archetype archetypal role that you might have um imbued upon your life it is really 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 important because I the second I was born, I've, I've never looked into that. I mean, I don't, you can go minute, like you don't actually don't have to go second. But uh -uh. do you know the, the your birth time? Uh -uh. I don't know. I don't think I ever looked into it. Call your mom, get you, get her to send a picture of your birth you certificate. Know, yeah. get, it's on your birth certificate. Get that um, and get a reading from my friend and she'll blow your mind because this is what like like jp morgan was saying he has an astrologer he looks he pays somebody to tell him what the space weather is going to be so he knows when he should make an investment he knows mm. what's going to be a dark time for him he knows what's going to be a light time for him you yeah. know like these like i think and that is a simulation in the sense that we were talking about earlier there's societal simulation and then there's a celestial code and mm. i think that you know at the time that are inoculated onto this planet 
that we're imbued with an algorithm or a code in ourselves that almost has a fulfilled role mm. now. And I think that's part of the layers that we're shedding off. I think it has to do with that true, um, like resonance and <laughs> I want to say it again, algorithm that is just, that's who we are. Like, why are our personalities mm. so fucking strong? Why do they make up? Why are our personalities so unique and different? So a lot of times it's genetic for sure. But, and you know, mm. but it's, it's unique and different. And mm. it, a lot of the answers are in the ancient mysteries of astrology. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's really back to that like dorky, you know, hair follicle little analogy that I mm -hmm. use. Like we just try to take, we, we try to say, what's my report card now? Like who am I and how did I get there? And a lot of times we don't, we, we forget that we should keep going back because we play who we are is like, <laughs> I mean, you know, people talk about star seeds, like, cool, go all the way back then. Like we're, you know, you're a little piece of just space dust, bro, at some point. Mm -hmm. um, and so it all plays a role into who you are. Like it's what's, it's easy to like make sense of finding out who you are of like, okay, within this, you know, 31 years that I've been alive, like what happened to me when I was a kid and what happened to my parents and what were their genetics? Yeah, that's a way of understanding yourself. But there's also like, okay, now keep backing it up. And it gets mm -hmm. more complicated. It gets a little bit more um, ethereal. It's, it gets more into that area of like we we're saying, you can't exactly always use language. You kind of have to dance around the the dance floor to paint the picture of it. Um, but but really, I mean, yeah, like like un understanding ourselves. Um, it, 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 yeah, it's interesting. You know, I I think what we do, man, is this. You mentioned spiritual ego. We have science ego too. Our modern, our modern culture has science ego. And um, in, in the second I say that, some people might say like, oh, well, that's because you're like a spiritual hippie, like you must love religion. <laughs> or I, I mean, it's like, it's like no, I, like the second you say even science ego or like you say anything about science, we, we defend it. We're like, don't mm -hmm. you dare. And that's great because science is fucking amazing in every way. And it's literally so, I mean, like, like it's beyond words how amazing it is. But it's not only science. Mm -hmm. It's science... And there's a lot to be learned and siphoned through like all these other histories. Like we're really going to be so bold and so arrogant and so pompous that we're going to say the only, the, the only things that are true is what we've learned in the last 200 years. With, <laughs> like in what, what we have learned in the last 200 years completely, you know, it's so much more true and authentic than anything that it, all those old books, it's like, hold on. Like you don't think the other people in all these other cultures and histories of human civilizations have had this wonder that's at the core of all of our beings of like, what am I? What is this? <laughs> you know, they've studied it too. And a lot of their, their contemplative answers have led to these stories and these books and these ways of seeing the world and ways of saying, I'm here and that star is up there huh and you study that for hundreds of thousands of years and you actually get like understandings of you know just like when you like oh it feels good for you know me to put my wee wee inside that girl's thingy and then you start to notice after hundreds of thousands of years wow nine months later that's when that like creature comes out like think about how how long we had to as humans like start banging before we realized that that thing we did that long ago it's what made this baby happen nine months later. Like our correlations between time frames, we don't fully understand. It takes us a long time to go, oh, mm -hmm. shit, okay. And then we can start learning about it. But um, yeah, anyway, sorry. Such <laughs> Understanding a the pattern, man, like we were yeah. saying, and then when to break it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, it's, it's helpful to look at your short-term history for sure. But like there's, it's also very helpful to look at 
not only helpful, but fascinating and wonderful and fun to like mm -hmm. learn about astrology and, and alchemy and like what have other people who have lived in different time frames than me, what did they learn about? What's that one? What's, what's that book you're holding up? It's the Alchemist Handbook. Alchemist Handbook. Freighter Albertus. I haven't read that. Dude, because you, you were talking about um, the past 200 years and like the separation of science and God. And then you brought up alchemy just now. And it's like, for people that don't know, al al and alchemy is getting thrown around a lot right now. Mm -hmm. And so, wait, let's go like this. Okay. It's a chemist handbook. Yeah. Oh, it's the alchemist handbook. Ah. And what is, what is al? A-L is Allah, 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 El Enlil, L-A-L-E-L -L -E is an um, old Hebrew word for God. God's chemical so, handbook. Yes, it's the <laughs> alchemical alchemist handbook. And basically, we had science and God intertwined together, and philosophy itself all intertwined together until there was a huge separation. And about 200 years ago, like you were saying, I have a theory that isn't even that far of a stretch when you start to study history and these things. But the theory is, is that alchemy got to a point where they couldn't not create the philosopher's stone. They were transmuting the gold, like a lot of people talk about transmuting lead into gold. Yes, that's a thing like that can happen. It's happened. People, we can do that now. Gold is created. So gold was always created in ancient Egypt and ancient Mayan culture and ancient Aztec culture. Gold was manufactured. It was amalgamated. It was mined for sure, but you're not pulling out 99.9% .9 pure gold out of the land and you're not pulling out tons of it. What you're doing is you're, you're figuring out how to extract it and then how to blend it with other metals to make what we considered to be really good amalgamated gold. And so that was a large part of this like alchemical process, but there was many, many, many parts of this alchemical process, many of these legs. And what I think happened is, is, you know, alchemy was the science of ancient Egypt. Um, that's where it began. And the pyramids themselves were in a lot mm -hmm. of ways used for alchemical processes. And, um, so, but alchemy was more than just the science base of like getting into the still, like doing all of these like different types of practices, right? It, it was more than that. It was a philosophy, and it was a it was a part of going through a mental mental turning and and turning yourself into the philosopher's stone. Now, some of the most famous alchemists in the world, like Saint Germain, um, and even later alchemists like Fulcanelli they have said that they have never died and they basically have found the fountain of youth the Ponce de leon and they have lived forever so i think my theory is is that we worked up for thousands of years the alchemical process and then once we started to get to a point where society started to teeter-totter where we were like okay now everybody's really interested in it it's not just the higher echelons of people in power that are starting to do these things. There's way mm. too many magical people right now. Yeah. We need to shift this back into it. So 
that's why that's why I think the also the founding of America was about 200 years ago too, right? A little over 200, right? You know, uh -huh. 1777, so on and so forth. You know, really in the 1650s when the Renaissance period started to happen and the Protestant Reformation and the, the burning of witches. Thinking about the witch hunts, how many there was there's claims to be millions of of witches burned, right? That's so much family lineage that will never be told mm -hmm. in the truth of it was like, they'll, it'll be skewed. Like you'd be like, okay, my grandma was a part of the, the, you know, the Protestant mm -hmm. Reformation and the witch trials back in the 1600s. But it, because sometimes it happened so brutally, so fast, a lot mm -hmm. of these stories weren't able to live on. Like yeah. they took really knowledgeable people who were doing magical workings and they killed them. Mm -hmm. And so I think history what is written by its victors, as they say, it's his story. Right. Yeah. So, so there, there's a lot of like, like, I mean, really right there, what you just said, like really just contemplating, think about all those instances in our history that like the second that that person's last breath leaves their lungs, like everything they know is like, if they haven't passed it along, it's gone. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, sure, there's some sort of collective unconscious, you know, there's something there, but we don't know that information. If they weren't able to pass it on, and then so, you know, the person standing there holding the knife now tells their version of that person oh. on the ground story. And, and, and we act from that as our truth. And that's a dangerous spot. Uh, um, maybe not a dangerous spot, but it's a potentially dangerous spot if, if, um, I'm going to say kind of just the spot. It's what, it's what it is. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know. It's maybe not good or, good nor bad. It's just really the truth of, of, of the thing. I mean, it's, it's sad is what it is. It is fucking sad. And there is a spiritual war happening in that sense that like not all these, you know, not all these witches were, you know, in here concocting poisons to kill society. You know, they were, they were working for their family and mm -hmm. they, they saw that there's there was people that magic is real. That's what I've come to, man. Yeah, like dude. after, after working like all this shit, like looking up history, getting into this, I'm like, magic's real. Yeah. Our ancestors knew it, everything. But why is it so taboo now? What's it's because on? we're caught up in our language, man. Relax with the words, relax with the names, and you know exactly what's going on. That's all there is to it. We, we actually act, I've been thinking a lot about our language lately and how we've been reacting and acting. Like I'm in I've watched a lot of this Kanye stuff. I'm a huge fan of Kanye. Um, I think our reactions too, to like, actually. To, to, yeah, I think he's so, so misunderstood. I mean, that's, it's a whole can of whoop ass to even talk about this, but, um, <laughs> it, it's, we get so caught up on these words. He said, Jew, J E W. He said yep. it like it's Lord Voldemort, bro. Like, get out of here. <laughs> Grow up. You know exactly. Like, what's what's he talking about? And I'm not saying he's got it. I'm not saying we could say whatever we want. Words are powerful. Words are so powerful. But we, a lot of times, I'm sitting back. You know, in the, in the same way that you're telling your your story about um, when you were when you were a kid, and you guys are like, we want our cookies, and you just get all the hundred kids <laughs> together to like run over this poor old lady. Um, is, did she survive? By the way, we should. She did. She okay. did. I mean, okay. she's yeah. like she's in a wheelchair right now, listening to this podcast, just like damn you. <laughs> um, uh, um, uh, but but uh, you know, a, a lot of the a lot of the. Um, where oh oh yeah in that same sense you know I I've also kind of been I've also kind of always been someone you know maybe it's in our Scorpio ish nature to 
when I'm involved in things, I can see them from the outside. I'm, I'm able to, I always have an eye, a meta eye on the situation. It's just like, and you realize that not everybody um, works that way. Heightened intuition. Yeah. Like, like, so, so I've actually used this to, um, I described to a a therapist one time um, when I was talking about like my childhood, like, it's like, okay, we're a family watching TV, you know, we're all together and we're watching TV and I'm, I'm aware the whole time that we're a family watching, I'm watching us watch TV. You know, instead of like my sisters and my mom, my mother and father are like, we're in, they're in this story and they're like laughing about whatever, like they're not thinking about thinking, you know, I'm, I'm, I've always been aware. And so like when adults would like do like the white lie thing that you tell, you know, you don't tell kids the whole truth, you know, you give them, you know, you, 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 in some senses you pad the world and in some senses, I don't like that sense, but, um, I was always so aware, like, Okay, so I'm watching you lie to me, but I guess that's what we do. Okay, and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> okay, and I'm always, and I'm always, I feel like that's like why I'm good at, um, like I'm, I'm a natural introvert in every way, but I'm very good at being an extrovert because I've always been like, okay, so we do that. All right, like, okay. <laughs> like, I'm very, I didn't stop being aware, but I'm like, okay, I'll do the games. I'm just not really fucking fully sure why we're doing it this way. Like, if you're gonna lie to me, you're gonna lie to me, I guess, but, um, um, shit, I forgot exactly what we're, what we're getting on along about. Um, well, uh, I want to question, I want a question for you real quick, because I, I feel like, I wonder if this is just like a growing up as a Scorpio type of thing. When uh, I was a kid, I had this like, this like movie theater in my head. Do you remember mystery science theater 3000? Yeah, 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 yeah. The little shadows of the guys down there yeah, watching they're it. They're watching it, like talking shit about the movie as they're watching it, right? Yeah. <laughs> That I had that in my head for a small, I think like a two-year period. Um, and one one instance specific, I remember the Blockbuster. I was right over by the Triangle Mall, right where, you know, back in Kelso. Mm. Uh, and I, I was in like the Blockbuster, the movie rental place, whatever. And I just remember that there was the, these nuns and they would walk in through my ear and they would go and sit down in the seats in my head watching what I'm watching commenting on what i'm seeing and i i couldn't have been more than like nine or ten years old hmm. but that's that observation of thinking about thinking seeing what you're seeing from an outside perspective so is that kind of what what you had too like did you ever like have a voice inside your head that was kind of commenting on the things that were happening yeah almost in a sense yeah i mean i mean i don't think mine was as um like playfully visual i think that mine always had this um uh I don't know, like like madness to it or something. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, there wasn't a lot of like playfulness in mind, but yeah, it, it is. It's 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 a layer removed. Like it's it's almost. Um, I mean, it's really like just being overly aware or like consistently aware. Um, but it is. Yeah, I, I I don't know. It's almost like a consistently checking in on your your story rather than living your story or something. Um, I wonder if it's like a. So I don't know if it's like a. Sometimes I think it's a trauma thing. I, th- I thought that it was a something that I learned from like having a traumatic childhood. I thought that it was like a disassociative thing, and I learned how to be disassociative, and then use it as a skill. Um, Oof. I don't know. Yeah. I, yep. I don't know if it, did you have any like young childhood before did you have childhood trauma would you consider yourself someone who um had oh god significant like like it, it, that would cause you to as a child put on armor or um you know disassociate or depersonalize any sort of that 
Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, again, I'm sorry. Also, if like, you don't have to indulge your whole personal life. I know I get like very deep. So like, just feel free to tell me I'm going too far. Uh, no, no, we'll get into it. Cause it kind of paints, paints a good picture, I guess, too, of like why I was able to see some of the fuckery that was going on Mm. as a kid. But, um, actually I've had like kind of like a, uh, it's, it's fucked up and not a lot of people know it unless you like get to, to know the story. But, um, so my dad was 25 and my mom was 15 uh and he was like a tall good looking surfer guy that kind of was breezing through town and my my father actually has impregnated like um 11 women and had 11 different children up and down the west coast um he's you know he he grew up like partying with the chili peppers and sublime in southern california so he was like surfing, skating, partying, all these things, making his way up and down the West Coast. But he he wasn't necessarily a predator in the sense that like, you know, he raped my mother because my mother was very consensually into the situation. And they met when she was 15, but they she didn't get pregnant until she was 17, right? So they kind of like came through town. My mom dropped out of school as a freshman in high school. Um, at 14 15 and uh all of my all her sisters she has three sisters and they're all like addicted to different hard drugs my mother is the only non-drug addict out of all of them uh terry Teresa, and tracy are like either addicted to like crack meth or you know one of these other drugs and so they're still um for the most part like homeless and still on hard drugs uh and my mom's just always been like a rock to them, you know? So mm. she saw that at a young age. My grandma was kind of crazy. My grandma did this thing. She like stabbed a man, uh, one of her boyfriends in Kelso on Cherry Street. Damn. She stabbed a man. And then she took the knife to my mom and her sisters and said, if you tell anybody about this, you're dead. And then she uh, proceeded to like beat herself up until the cops came so she could blame the stabbing of self-defense so i i my childhood was not nearly as traumatic as my mom's childhood Mm -hmm. but what happened is my mom is such a is such an angel a legitimate angel in the sense that like she's had she's been such a light in so many women's lives she's a very very prominent woman in a lot of women's lives like she's selflessly gone to na for years she was never a drug addict but she just wanted to be around people who have had those experiences because she was felt more connected to people who were uh dealing with drugs than not because that's how she grew up and so i saw that growing up too i saw i saw drug harsh drug abuse as a child to my blood family members and i kind of like opened me up because when you start to like see gnarly drug abuse, um, you know, especially as an introspective Scorpio, right? Like you start to say like, wow, this is totally not right. Like there's something completely wrong. You're hurt. You were so hurt and I'm so sorry. Like what Mm. can we do to make you better? Mm. Um, And so all that was happening, so on and so forth. But so my mom got pregnant with the with this guy he he didn't stick around like he did zero parenting uh brad was an absolute like it's he funny actually his name was brad by the way i know by sublime 
<laughs> no, no. I'm just, I just feel like you're, you're like 25 year old surfer guy who has 11 kids. Seems like his name would be Brad. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. <laughs> oh my God. No, that's hilarious. Yeah. yeah no, he's a total fucking Brad. And, uh, <laughs> Brad. he had a kid. Uh, I have a brother who's six months younger than me with a different, uh, mom, same dad. So you do the math there. Six months, he <laughs> impregnated another chick in the same town. And, uh, you know, but, but he left and what happened was, you know, three years later, he called my mom and said, he said, I want to see Roman, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she's just like, well, uh, you know, where, where have you been? Like, fuck you, you know? And he's just like, oh, I'm living in Hawaii. I'm living in, living in Maui. You should totally have him come out here. Mm -hmm. So he, my mom, he convinces my mom to fly me out there. Oh, wow. I go out there. One week passes, two weeks pass, three weeks pass. She tries to call him. Phone is disconnected. One month passes. Two months pass. Nothing. Now she's freaking out. Okay, she is Wait, a... So you haven't talked to your mom this whole time? This whole time, he's not talking to her. I mean, you got... I'm four years old, dude. You know? So, like, I... And so the only thing I remember, it wasn't until I was 15 that I that I remembered this, that... um. I remember sitting in a high chair and, and there being like a plate of eggs in front of me in the high chair. And my face just getting smushed into the plate of eggs. Oh, damn. And I was just like, and I look up and I see this helicopter and my mom like ascending down a rope on the helicopter. And like I was sitting in her car, you know, at 15 and I was like, Ma, I keep having these dreams. Like I've had this dream repetitively. Like it's just crazy. I have to tell you about it. She's like, oh, that's that's not a dream your dad kidnapped you like oh he my God. fucking kidnapped i was like wait what like Bro. that's real but the helicopter like how the fuck did that she's like they were in mount my dad was dating this local hawaiian woman that had like property deep out in hana like like you 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 had to fucking basically take a chopper to it because you're four-wheel driving the whole time and i was like what, what? so um the trauma like I, I don't necessarily think I've like had the trauma in the sense that like I don't feel like I've had trauma, but traumatic things have happened. Mm -hmm. I, I'm sure that those experiences were a cataclysmic experience for who you are today. Had you not been through the kidnapping experiences, I don't think that you would be who you are today. I mean, obviously you wouldn't. Be. Yes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I think I think we've. I think it's probably a pretty profound experience. Like it's probably pretty like developmental experience, these things, like what we do in reaction to the trauma, what, to these big things. Yeah. I'm sorry to derail you again. No, you're good. I love your insights. I'm literally every time you speak, it's beautiful. So I love it, brother. Um, <laughs> Thanks, uh, and so one of the other crazy things about this specifically was, so like six, no, 16 or 17, uh, um, so like I didn't know that he my father was living in Kelso I didn't know that he was living in the same town because I just he, there was no hearing from him but he was actually had contacted my mom trying to to get a hold of me for years but she didn't want him to be, until he got sober because he was he was a drunk and he never got sober so when he passed away when i was uh oh that's right i was eighth grade wow okay yeah it was eighth grade 
I got kicked out of school in eighth grade and I got moved to, do you know, out in Lexington, there's like that seven day Adventist church in Lexington. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So they have a school, a very small school with mm -hmm. uh, eight eighth graders. And I, I went, I got kicked out of my school, huge school, was, you know, friends with everybody, all the things to a got moved to this private school because I just kept getting in trouble. And, uh, I was there and one day, you know, someone comes to me and they're like, your father's in the hospital, like with sepsis disease. And I was like, what? And like, I fake cried. I had to fake cry because I didn't mm. know what to feel because I didn't know him. Well, that's interesting. I, so I, I like made myself cry on the couch so I could get out of going to school. Mm. Because I, I I didn't fucking care. Yeah. And, well, I didn't well, care. And, and you're like, but I know that the thing you're supposed to do is is care. Like I know that like, oh yeah, that this is what you do when when things like this happen. This is what <laughs> exactly. it, this is what society says to do. Yeah, totally. Do I totally relate with that? Because I had a lot of moments like, yeah, I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna cry. That's what we do. Um, I'm not sure <laughs> if I'm connecting to it. You know. Am, no, I love it. I love that. <laughs> That's a Scorpio way, man. Like, hold on, wait. Let me see. What are we supposed to do? Look at everybody. I can then sink uh, yeah. into huh? it. Huh? <laughs> Am I crying? What, have you seen? Um, was it uh, North Korea? Like where they have to? Uh, there's videos of them crying when their leader has died, and it has to be like a performative because, like, you can you know get murdered and thrown inside a camp if you aren't bawling your eyes out to know what? the yeah yeah because like you you know you have to be loyal to your leader like he is god you know he's everything to you and so if you aren't devastated the fact that he died then like clearly you're you know anti him so uh <laughs> yeah there's these videos of like it's just the whole crowd is just panning on the crowd of people going <laughs> and it's and it's dude it goes on apparently these things go on for like crazy amounts of time because everyone is just one-upping each other and it just becomes this like <laughs> hours of just performative like <laughs> you know um yeah can you imagine and it's, it's funny we do like little versions of that just to just to fit in carl Jung actually talks about um you know he in his, one of his older books memories dreams and reflections where he's like an older man before he died he talks about when he was younger he kind of has these instances that you're recalling where like um you know like someone said you know you, you say hey your father died and, and you you know you're supposed to cry so you cry but you kind of know you're faking it he has recollections of even like making himself he you'd physically pass out he'd faint and like on the playground and stuff like that and he has these instances instances of remembering now that he's older that he actually kind of did that to himself like he can recall kind of the process of it like him doing these things so i don't know i, I guess that's not super correlated but um it's very interesting to look at as we get older and we retrospectively look back at the things we did when we were younger with a little bit of like knowledge and wisdom we can go huh like that almost wasn't real what i did like i was actually crying performatively and like how many people are doing that and they're kind of aware they're doing that in the moment but they're not yeah. able to see that they're doing at the same time, you know, that's tricky. I just turned my heater on, uh, by my feet. So oh, got to keep them toasty. Can you hear, the, can you hear the heater? No, no, it sounds totally fine. Oh, okay. Oh cool. yeah. No, yeah. I don't even, I don't even hear it. Um, Sweet. yeah. Uh, are you, is it cold where you're at? Are you, you're Northern California? Northern California in the mountains. Uh, so high elevation. It's, it's chilly. It's not cold. Like I walk outside naked in the morning in the fog, you yes. know, uh, dude, you have to, yeah. Bro, I miss, I, I live in an apartment. I miss, you know, 
having my dick out the back door you know what i'm saying dude i do know what you're saying because i fucking love it i i'm leaving this mountain soon though and i'm driving to huh. florida in the next i think on the 23rd i'm gonna be driving to florida to go work oh, damn um, are you going through texas i i not really i think way, so I, I, actually, I mean, wait, no, it would be on your way, dude. If you if you are anywhere near Austin, like within a couple, like I mean, I could even oh, I'm three hours from Dallas ass. and stuff. I could meet you. I'll, I'll me, drive up and meet you wherever you're at. Oh, dude, I no, I will. I'll come to Austin. Like I've That'd been be meaning great. to do, dude. That. Austin, uh, have you spent any time in Austin? I so I went on tour with. Um, I just I'm looking up my. Uh, I'm looking up my map route real quick. I went on tour with like, a band a few years ago. Um, this band called the weather machine they were a really great folk indie band out of portland yeah. and i became really good friends with one of the guys and uh we went uh we went on a, a cross-country tour and Beautiful. through that uh i went to a shit ton of places one of my favorite was montreal mm. uh I, I, dude like the poutine was insane but we uh, the things I remember most about like traveling is always like the food, you know, in Austin, we had breakfast tacos because uh, our yeah. van actually broke down. We were getting van work in Austin. Uh, I can't even tell you where, like, I have no idea. And I don't even know where I was. Like, I, if I were to go back, I might not even recognize it because it was just like two or three days of just intense energy mm. um, of traveling. And well, it says, okay, go ahead. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, well, well, I mean, dude, if you do make it this way, we'll find some sort of, I mean, I have a couple of places that I've found. Um, I've, I'm, I'm pretty loner here. So like, I really haven't explored as much as uh, you would imagine, like someone like moving to a place like Austin. I really have not um, uh, like dove into the like food and, um, um, you know, culture as much as I should have. But there, there, there's some places we can check out. And then we could also like, there's so many places for breakfast tacos and amazing food and cool environments in Austin. It's so filled up to the brim with amazing opportunities like that, that the day of we can look up on our phones or drive around and yes. just see what feels good. And we'll find somewhere like you could, <sighs> it's one of those things you, you throw a dart and you land on something just great. It's all awesome here. I, I feel like, I mean, I, I know everybody says it, but it's, I feel like it's, it's just such a cool spot and everything's pretty damn good here. It seems like, <laughs> dude, I mean, I, I have no qualms with Austin. Like I really want to spend more time there. It mm. looks like on the map, it's, uh, would either put me up towards Dallas or San Antonio, but it looks oh, like San Antonio is like an hour, hour and a half from here. Yeah. I'm definitely going to go through that way and then yeah. I'll, I'll make sure I stop in Austin cause I want to stay there. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say if if it works out for you, and if you need a place to crash, this uh, lovely blue couch behind me has your name written all over it, my friend. Oh, I see that. It's in graffiti too, right there on the side. There it is. The next one. <laughs> yeah, it's a, you know what I said last night. Yeah, if you look closely, it says the most handsome. It's it's written in graffiti on there. I, I said that last night uh, at a gig. I got there and like there's a ton of people, so you check in, so they make sure that you're like, okay, you're here to work. Um, and I I tried that. I tried. Yeah, it's under most handsome. <laughs> and, uh, I was the only one laughing in that situation, as it turns out. What? Yeah, it didn't, it, find it, it that didn't work. And it, it was too much. It was too much chaos. There was too many other people. There was a huge yeah. line behind me. It wasn't the time for the jokes. You know, yeah. I didn't. I didn't read the room. I was just trying to fit in my jokes. So that's why. Yeah, but, that's a Scorpio thing, man. It's, uh, <laughs> we're you know we have these really great jokes, but like you know we just say them whenever the fuck we want, as opposed to the right time. <laughs> Yeah, dude, I, I tried it all, oh, bro. I, if I could shoot it in, I'm going to shoot it. And if, I, if I'm if i around, 
if I'm around a group that I've realized hasn't heard this specific joke, it's going to get recycled. I'm going to say it again. <laughs> I'm going to say it again. Just waiting for that one person just to like leave the circle for a second who has heard the joke before just so you can, <laughs> okay, here we go, here we go. Here yeah, we go. yeah. Or sometimes I'll, I'll say the joke and then I'll immediately like just connect with that person. Like, I know you've heard me say this joke, but like just let it. Just like you, you break the, the wall of the joke by mentioning the joke, which automatically negates it. So it's this whole fucking <laughs> thing. Um, uh, hey, uh, okay. So I, I, I had a question about comedy cause, um, um, I, I am a huge fan of comedy. Um, and, and I think it's an interesting conversation, but I also think that a nice question that was formulating, um, for you would be like, so say, say you're able to like connect with your like karmic family of, you know, thousands of years and you could write a postcard Ooh. and it's like, it's like, Ugh. Hey, it's Roman. Like, Hey, look, I'm one I, on this lifetime. I've been able to wake up. I remembered my, you know, my, my true self. I remember that I'm here on this karmic cycle to like experience life and love and this whole, you know, thing. And I'm just checking in from earth. Like, here's how I'm doing. Here's what <laughs> I've learned so far. Like as Roman, like, w w I don't know. Does anything come to mind? Like, I, I guess your postcard of life right now, w what have you learned? Dude, What's going that on? That is such a deep question. <laughs> um, I love the visuals too. Like if I, you're writing a cosmic card to your ancestors who are just on the other side of the veil waiting for you. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd be like, just give me one second here. No rush. Paint it, brother. I'm trying not to do the thing where like I think for a long time about something that's supposed to be deep and then I make a joke out of it and then like do something sarcastic. Do it anyway. Um, <laughs> but, but I think I would say something along the lines of that, first of all, my journey here is not near completion. Thank you guys for waiting for me. I love you very much. I love love. I love my dog. What are mm -hmm. dogs? <laughs> Please write back and tell me why dogs are so connected <laughs> into us in society. And I think I'm getting closer to discovering how to optimize my true energy and magic. It might be another decade, but I think we're on to something here. I think I think I'm getting close. <laughs> right, well, how, how do you think they would they open the mail and they read it? What do you think they're saying? They'd probably just be like, what a fucking turd. Look at this he guy. He thinks he's getting close. <laughs> <laughs> he has billions more years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. No, it's so true, man. Like, Hey, that is beautiful, though. You love love and, and you love your dog. And it's like uh -oh. just the things that, that is what it's all about, man. It's like, what are the things that remind you to be right here? I love that even before this, we were messaging before this podcast and you're like, all right, bro, I'll see you in a little bit. I'm going to go hang out or I'm going to go play with my dog. And it's yeah. like, that's, that's that's exactly what it's about. It's oh, like, dude. Find some time to play with your dog. You know, what else is there to do? <laughs> some people say that, that, you know, your pet or your familiar uh, is your eighth chakra. What does that mean to you? You're familiar with your eighth chakra? To me, so like a familiar in magical terms, like a witch has a familiar um, or a magician oh. or a sorcerer, they have this animal entity. Mm. Like uh, Salvador Dali had ant eaters. 
he would go on stage. Dude, you have to look up videos of how he would have anteaters on leashes, Salvador Dali. I know, hard. It's so hard, dude. It's so <laughs> hard, dude. Like with his mustache too, yeah. you know, what a gangster. Uh, but, but what it means is like, dude, you, you choose, like you, you choose to have that eighth chakra, that connection point to this, this being, you know, when you truly, when you're not just white picketing, white picket fencing your life and you're just like, well, we've had three kids. It's time to get a dog now. Right, hun? Like when you choose, I didn't choose to get a dog either. I did not choose to get Zuji boy. Um, one of my friend's wife's brother had a dog that he couldn't take care of. And they asked me, they're like, Hey, you like animals, right? And I was like, I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, what kind of question is that? Of course, um, not a complete POS. Mm-hmm. And so I went over and, you know, and then it happened. And then now here we are over a year later that like, there's such a bond that like, I look at him and, you know, as a Scorpio, I'm like, I hold him. I'm like, when are you going to die? Like, don't, don't leave me. You son of a bitch. <laughs> like he's like fully living and like, just, but, uh, he's like, dad, stop talking about my mortality. Like, Damn. <laughs> I'm like, I can't help it. <laughs> I but love dude, you when you're going to die. <laughs> we're dude, we're connected to these animals and we choose that connection because we are so in love with love. Like humans are love. Like everything that we have down to our core is a passion. It's a heartbeat. It's a feeling. And it's the vibration of unconditional love, no matter what, when you separate all the layers, that's what it is. And you get in tune with that by surrounding yourself with the things that make you feel that make it easy for you to feel that love. Mm. You know, when you're with a partner, and it's not easy for you to break down and feel that, you know, there's some there's some deeper things that you need to work on there. Uh, but if you have a partner where it's just you're so it's so easy for you just to respect them, for you to respect yourself, for you to take time. We're not feeling anxious, and you have the animal. You know, like a lot of times is like we were talking earlier about uh, you know, like having experiences with people that in in the different levels and layers that we're on. I think you know you'll be up here on on le- on level sixty sometimes, but one day you might just have taken the elevator down to level 24 because your mm-hmm. energy is here you're mm-hmm. not you're not feeling like you want to be nice to anybody you're feeling like you just kind of want to like you just fuck it all i'm gonna start drinking beer it's you know mm-hmm. noon today or whatever and <clears throat> it's just so it's not it's not easy to always be at that high level and it's okay to take the elevator down from times but having these things surrounded like create a community it doesn't need to be a million fucking friends but create a, a community of a turtle and a dog and your guitar and your mm-hmm. bananas that you love or whatever and just just try to emanate that man and you know kind of grasp onto it and and just try to be as much lovey love and breathing mm-hmm. helps breathing practices help a lot hallelujah Amen to that. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's what it is. Dude, I mean, it's it's really, you know, you and I as like artists or, you know, um, sometimes I hesitate to call myself a musician, but musicians. Like, I know, dude. I feel that. I know. And then when I explain it, when I now I have this caveat of saying I don't call myself a musician. So that sounds even more. It's just a fucking <laughs> more layers, you know, um, uh, <laughs> it's all it's all, you know, just ego stroking, isn't it? Um, yes. But, but there, it's really just you know, all these things that we're doing, playing with a dog, um, um, 
you know, getting into flow states, the flow state, you know, the athletes talk about the, you know, it's, it's, it's beyond runner's high. It's, it's, you're not thinking about yourself. You're not thinking about your past. You're not thinking about your, your future. You're not thinking about what you need to do, what you have done, what you haven't done. Um, you're, you're just existing in the now. It's really the art of owning a dog is like, if you ask a dog owner, um, you know, okay, so say I'm a little kid and I'm asking you as a dog owner, like, Hey, what's, so what's the point of owning a dog? You'd be like, what do you, what do you mean? Like you don't, (laughs) It's like, like the point isn't to see how old you can get the dog before he dies. Like, oh, I did a good job of raising a dog. It's like, no, no, this is, this is an act of joy. This is love. And that's what it is. That's what it's about. It's like, um, you know, in, yeah. you partake on that adventure of, of trying, you know, when, when you're petting a dog's belly and you're laughing and you're talking in doggy voice, you're not thinking about yourself. You're not thinking about your insecurities that we all have. You're not thinking about how cool you think you are. You're not thinking about how awesome you look right now petting this dog's belly. You know, you're just <laughs> existing with the dog and the, um, the, the consistent chattering of the mind falls away. So you're just, you know, in, in a state of flow. Like I was saying, you know, just as a musician and a runner and an athlete um, and all these people are trying to find their version of flow, owning a dog and being with a dog and, and loving a dog and having a dog love you is also a state of flow. This whole thing is all about play. If you can find a way to get into a state of play, whether that's with another human or a dog or um, an art form, I think, man, I don't know, the older I get, the more I realize that like, oh, that's what it's about. You can't take any of it with you. You don't get to take the dog with you, but you can have an experience with the dog right now. Yes. Yes. And do that. Like, just, I think, so there's something to the uh, dog God connection. Ooh. right you know yeah. i've been trying to find it i'm looking for it still uh, and it's there's you know, at least a poem in there there's a there's definitely a poem in there <laughs> uh and maybe maybe that'll be like the workings that happened oh did you get a chance to check out the moon last night after your gig no i didn't i didn't get out till um probably like 2 30 and then um, i was just tired yeah. what do you be doing uh, last night I was taking down um, a uh, like a wrestling show, um, so like a- AEW, ACW, or whatever. It's not like WWF, but it's a basically fourteen semi trucks. We set it all up. They have like the ring. They have like the antics, the acting, the stage, the lights, whatever. We set up all that. I was mainly a lighting tech um, yesterday. So oh, nice. So, How long you know, have you been doing that? Uh, man, I've been. Um, that's that's what I do. So my my job nowadays is. Um, I mean, I'm technically an audio engineer. I have a degree in that all my years of DJing that adds a lot of like work on that. And then I'm an audio video production technician, um, in a stage hand. So pretty much like anything to do with live events I'm involved in. I get paid to do things at live events. And nowadays I'm getting like, I just, epic. I mean, I'm getting a lot of good knowledge. So I'm, you know, my, my abilities to do certain roles, um, at these shows is expanding. So it's, it's very exciting. But yeah, last night was just stage hand stuff. Um, sometimes I'm making good money and I'm like the cool audio guy and I'm the cool guy who knows all the info. And then sometimes <laughs> I'm just making 1850 and I'm carrying heavy ass shit and it's humbling and I love it. And I get to like, you know, meet really cool people. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been a, a fun journey. That's what I do. Dude, that's awesome. What a, I mean, that's kind of a dream job for me. Like I, uh, I love, you know, when, like I said, I went on tour with, I've been on tour with two bands now, just being helpful. I wasn't part of the band. I wasn't part of the music, mm-hmm. but I was, you know, we load in, load out. I make sure boys get their drinks. We make sure we get paid. I set up the merch booth. Mm-hmm. And I There's whole jobs for that, bro. That. Whole jobs. Dude, do you know jobs for that? 
<laughs> try to come move to Austin and try to get these gigs. You, you can do it. I mean, dude, I'm sure you'd, you'd be totally fine. I mean, you, you know, you got a smart head on your shoulders. You're pleasant to be around. You're, uh, if you're hardworking and you're not just like, you know, just, <laughs> I work with a lot of people who aren't, they just watch other people struggling and like, don't get in there and help them. You know oh, what God. I mean? Just that God. basic, that basic show up and give a shit that you apply to any job and you're going to be okay. That is missing from a lot of the industry. So man, yeah, you come on over. And if you happen to know like what an XLR cable is, is called, that's helpful too. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. familiar with the cable dude cables out of my fucking ears, dude. Like I'm working <laughs> on trying to set up my, cause my dream is, um, and we're going to manifest it. I'm taking this year of 2023 to focus on content and like music mm. research. But here's the deal, man. I got this epic. I love this this board here. This is the uh, is Boss ROC. Yeah, dude, the ROC 505 MK2, brand mm. new model that just came out last January. Uh, it was a $1,000 mm. very well spent. Yeah. And uh, I want to I wanna just, I want to busk all over the country. And so I'm working on how I'm going to set my live setup. So, mm. dude. I probably will definitely be spending some time in Austin for, for something along those lines. Dude. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like however I can help, however I can shoot you in. Like if you, like I said, you know, I got the couch, you can crash here for a little bit. Like, dude, that'd be awesome. And also, um, you say you like, you want to, uh, create and make content and stuff this year. Like if there's any collaboration sort of stuff we can do this, this is super awesome, man. I'm, I'm enjoying reconnecting with you. And I think Dude, we should totally too. make some stuff. And and now that yes. I know that you like, like you sent me some, some of your music that I checked out, like we should fucking do some music together too. Yes. This is your typical millennial grown men things like, bro, we should, we're on a podcast talking about the music we're going to make together. <laughs> I feel like there's women all around the world making fun of us in their, their flannels and their tights and their, you know, uh, so typical. Um, oh, yeah, so well, typical. yeah we should, uh, dude, I've been doing a lot of, uh, I feel like my, the DJing side of things and like live performance, um, I'm, I'm sharpened on that and I have like a lot of cool potential ideas on that and that's you know something we can talk about too but writing wise man like if you have any instrumentals or you need something that needs like spoken word poetry uh rap like I'm getting pretty pretty good at spitting these days so um I would Ooh. love to do uh, just out of fun man that would be super fun to to collab dude I'm su supremely down I fortunately I think because the model of logic that I have is a cracked version that I got when I bought this MacBook. I bought this MacBook Pro from somebody just like fully worked it. They're like, it has Ableton, it has Logic, it has 3000 gigabytes, you know, whatever. And Amazing. I was like, dude, fuck yeah, like give me that. And, yeah. uh, but the thing is, is like the Logic Pro, like I've noticed when I share, I'm trying to send like the, the stems, Thanks. it's like kind of hard for me. So I'm interested that we should at least try it. Um, I'm not sure if you want to do like Google Drive or Dropbox or something, but okay. uh, I don't know. And how's the cross compatibility between stems on Logic to Ableton? Um, I think it's figure outable. I don't, I think that you do have to export it differently. I, I mean, it's not as easy as Logic to it, Logic. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's not as, I, there is a process though. Like we are not the first um, gents to be in this in this situation. So I think we could do a little editing and figure it out, to be honest. I, I would love to try. Me too. I would love to, because that yet again, is just like, Hey, I've done that before. Like you got that, like I got this, like let's, so yeah. dude. All right, cool. Well, uh, uh, I mean, I feel like we got into a lot of my history. Maybe next time we'll get into some of your journeys in history. Uh, yeah. cause I, yeah. I 
I want to know. Yeah, man. I know. I wish, honestly, if, if I didn't have to go to this gig, I would say this is going to be a four hour podcast. Let's keep going. Like I, I would love to do that, but, uh, I do have to, um, yeah, I'm doing like some sort of, th so this one is a lighting gig. I'm working for a lighting company. It's something for TikTok. No idea what it is. I just show up and I'll probably set up like some lights so people can take selfies and like, it looks cool on camera. I don't know. Dude, there's so many gigs. Like I did, um, for a while, what, oh, brand ambassador gigs. Oh yeah. Uh, which is like a really great way to make money when you're just kind of like, when you're just doing shit on your own, you know? Mm. Um, and in Portland, living in Portland where it was just like, there were so many gigs. I just imagine Austin being the, the, like the new tech hub and just a beautiful growing city. How many gigs there are, dude? Like to just, there's so much work out there. There's gotta be. Yeah. It seems it's weird because it's like hard to, I feel like I haven't been shaking hands and like stumbling across as many opportunities as I thought I was. Like I thought I was, as soon as I got here, I was going to hit the ground running. Um, but I also like wasn't super applying myself. I was kind of just like sending some Instagram messages and some emails and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But, um, it is a thing like once you, it's like you're on these job sites and like I said, you, you prove that you're hardworking and you're not like a total knucklehead and you're not like trying to escape to smoke a cigarette every 38 minutes. Um, you know, like people at the end of the gig are like, Hey, uh, so, so you work in Austin often? Like, you know, you, there's a hand handshake exchange that you seem to mm -hmm. bump into and I'm doing, it's been happening more and more for me lately as I've been, you know, do, doing the gig. So I think there is a few hour, a, a few months of groundwork, but, uh, yeah, I think that all you got to do is just show up and work hard, meet people, shake hands and you'll have the opportunities. I think that's really just the nature of the beast work it's work and it's like do you want to work on work or do you want to work on yourself do you want how many how many jobs do you want to apply yourself to or do you want to yeah. just shut it all off and go to bed yeah i mean it's yeah it's uh i saw a youtube uh, video the other day and the title was i didn't even watch the video it was i could go to sleep or i could create my magnum opus and, oh uh, my god that is so I'm fucking like, I can't. Dude, dude, that's, so I, that's, true. I struggle with that every night. I'm like, every night. Like, do I even deserve to go to sleep? Have I accomplished anything today? Like, <laughs> it's just like, and sometimes you just put yourself on this pedestal of like what you should have done that day to accomplish like your, your wildest dreams, you know? But um, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it is true though. And it is good to have that contemplation because it's like, as much as the self care and the sleeping is good, it's like a lot of times the only time you're gonna create that banger. Dude, one of the coolest songs I ever made was when there was some really annoying assholes in the living room partying all fucking night. I couldn't sleep because they were just partying and all, and so I was just like, whatever. Grabbed it, I was up till 3 a.m. making these like sounds I'd never made before. Mm -hmm, and I was mm -hmm. just like, Maybe there is something to this really late night thing because I just love sleep so much, you know, but yeah. it's, it is, it takes that mental effort, that mental work to get up and get over, get over ourselves, you know? How, how dare you think you get to choose all the time? <laughs> Dude, I love sometimes sleep. Sometimes you gotta catch it. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm totally with you, but sometimes I, it, that's, that is, is something that every artist can relate to though, is sometimes when you catch one in the net, you you seriously go like oh like this one's dope like you kind of understand right like sometimes you'll get like your first few lines in or you kind of like get your first verse in or whatever it is that you're writing or you get your you know your drum pattern down and you're like okay this is sick 
this is really sick. Yeah. Like I got to like yeah. put my phone on do not disturb and like make sure I catch this, make sure that I'm listening or I'm not going to hear this all the way, you know, because it'll float away. You can't just like, you don't. it's not like, okay, well, my office hours are, it's like, if you catch an idea, you don't get to just cool. I caught that. And I wrote the first line down. I'll open that up tomorrow morning. Like you, you don't know. No, you know you're not going to. No, man. You got to you gotta follow the coattails of it. That's how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love penguin coat. Yeah, uh, bro. So, yeah, I, I, I would love to do this again. Um, I, yeah, and then uh, I, I, can, I can do less yammering, and you could ask me about my background and stuff too. But uh, I do appreciate you allowing me to peel back some of your your layers. I think you're such like just a, like not only just a fascinating person, but just like a... Um, a sweet and wonderful person to be around. It's like something I always remember um, about our interactions before. Um, and I think that anybody who knows you is probably in agreement with that. You're just a wonderful person to be around. So it's cool to kind of get to see behind the curtain of Roman and, and Thanks, learn man. a little bit about you, man. Dude. Yeah. I mean, you, uh, uh, in my eyes growing up, you were, uh, you know, you were cool as fuck, man. You had the, you had the sick van, uh, you know, one of the first tattoos uh, of the crew, you know, uh, if I'm not mistaken, right? And then, uh, you know, the sick job at the mall in the skate shop. Yeah. It's like, it was, I was just like, dude, Jake's got it all, man. I yeah. was like, fucking love that guy. Yeah, at, at 16, you know, I got, I got my van. It's got a sound system in it. I've got more than one job. I felt cool. I felt pretty cool. You know, <laughs> I wasn't that cool, but I felt pretty cool. No, you were, man. You were, dude. I, our friend group was very unique, uh, interesting. I was so glad to to like kind of become a part of that friend group when we went to oh. Kelso. Oh man, like, dude! Man, I'm, like the, the 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 cool people that we've met that like you wouldn't. I think about that actually with um. Now that I've been away from our hometown for a while, you get some cool retrospective you know, perceptions mm -hmm. of like how you saw it when you were growing up and the things that you got to see being someone who's from that hometown, like Austin, for example, every, you know, you talk about Austin you talk about these places. When I'm talking to someone who was born and raised here, who grew up here and they, you know, uh, to get to middle school, they cut through this path through the woods, you know, to go by this building. And like they, they have all these intricate visions and, and views of not only people, but like the town that you just can't get as a, not only a tourist, but even if you move there as an older person, you know? And so, um, I don't know. I, I think that me trying to like understand Austin as an outsider and like try to get as much as I can about the essence of, about the qualia of, of the place by stories and by people telling me about their experiences with them. Um, you, you just can't get the whole thing from having that, you know, it's, it's different than having that lived experience. So like yeah. when you really look back at like, wow, our lived experience, like, do we, like it, it really is a cool place that we grew up in. Like, like as easy as it is to maybe like have a view of people who haven't like been out of Cowitz County and maybe the, like, maybe it's a little more narrow than some places in some ways. Um, but there's also like the way that some of these people see the world is just so cool. The way that some of these people have made me laugh from the core of my belly um, <laughs> is just like unlike any other place. You know, the situations that I've been able to be a part of in these friend groups and stuff. Um, God, dude, I mean, yeah, just like just flashing your memory back to all the cool people we've met at parties or skate parks or after school or at the mall or, or all these places. There's. I don't know, man. There's some cool ass people, and it's it's a pleasure to know cool ass people. That's for sure. It is, and that's that's why it's just like we need to keep traveling, 
we need to keep going. We need to keep cruising and it just never stop, man. You know, like mm. we're out here doing it and we, we never gonna stop doing it. We just gotta like keep meeting cool people, yeah. keep the love flowing and growing. Yeah. Yeah. Stop, stop taking your report card. Stop saying this is who I am now. And this is exactly who I am. And I've learned this little bit of history and I'll be this person forever. It's like, nope, every single nope. day, meet new people, explore new places of yourself and other people in other parts, places of the world. And you never know who you're going to be on the other side of that day. You know? It's, yes. Yeah. Like the, a lot of things is like just allowing yourself to be open. It's like that thing we're talking about with like the late night, like it's just be open to like whatever, baseline you're going to put down whatever key you decide to go and be open to the fact that you might go out and have a terrible experience at the store but right after that you might meet this like really cool person in the parking lot or nothing happens and it's all fucking good you yeah, know too. but yeah. just you're just knowing that you're open to it and yeah. maybe telling yourself you're going to meet somebody and then forgetting that you said that in the, be mm. the beginning of the day and then at the end of the day you're like holy shit i did meet somebody super fucking cool today mm. like you're just open man it's, uh, it's beautiful. It's fucking beautiful, man. This has been great. You're fucking great. <laughs> You're great too, man. Okay, well, uh, let's wrap it up. Will you make sure that everybody listening still knows where to find you, where to find your podcast, where to communicate with you, where to listen to your next podcast? When does it drop? Like everything that they can uh, do to follow you from here on out. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I like a, I like a shameless plug. Um, there. There, are three, there are three podcasts. One is the baby. That's the, that's the stronghold that's rising from the ashes. It's a history podcast. You guys have uh, a bunch to look, look at for our past episodes, but to look forward, we are getting into serpent symbolism in the month of January mm. with different um, authors. And then February and few months after that will be ancient Ireland. And we're talking to authors and researchers about the ancient mysteries of Ireland and the truth about leprechauns and the truth about the Fae and the connections to Ireland and ancient Egypt and ancient India. And there's a huge, huge, huge mysterious rabbit hole there. So we're really looking forward to that. Um, you guys should check out Moon Mysteries is a podcast that I do with an astrologer where we have two only two episodes a month one of the episodes we focus on like the moon cycles of that month so what the new moon's going to be you know in sagittarius what it's going to be in the next sign and then we each read articles that are either folklore about um ancient deities of the moon or whatever just like really fun articles questioning mysteries of the moon um and then the other episode of the month is an interview based with like the authors. There's actually like so many different books that are literally called mysteries of the moon or moon mysteries. So <clears throat> that's fun. And then the other final show, um, which we are re most recent episode was on Austin, Texas is called esoteric America, where we dive into some of the deeper history of random towns and cities. And we invite people onto the show to tell us about their town. They don't have to be authors. They don't have to be researchers. Mm. We, we would actually prefer it if it's just normal people. Yeah. yeah. And they dig into the histories of their town and tell us about it. That's yeah, um, so fun. I love this idea. It's such a cool idea. Dude, I mean, if you, if you want to do it, <clears throat> I'd love to have you on if you want to talk. Because we're talking Austin all this month. So 
if you feel inclined to look up some some weird things it's a here's the cool thing there's no lamp like whatever it is dude like whatever you find you know yeah. how rabbit holes work on the internet yeah. you just start going down it you're like oh yeah. fuck yeah 100 cool yeah no maybe i'll, I'll check into stuff i will say uh on your on your rising from the ashes podcast um the hair on the back of my neck tingles when you say you're focusing on like serpent related things um i have Ooh. i have a lot of um i study a lot about like kundalini awakenings and in, in these sorts of things i'm uh, actually fairly certain that i have had a kundalini awakening a few years back ago oh, so i would shit. love to uh i would love to talk about that i have i have some books that i can send you actually um yeah, I, I would love to. We could talk about that later, but yeah. So I, maybe maybe throw me in, in into that uh, January mix of of serpent talk. I would love. I'm to. super down. Let's plan on that. Actually, let's plan on talking Kundalini spirit, uh, spirit symbolism, serpent yeah. symbolism, dude. Like, funny related. enough, last night we were looking up something, and we ended up going down the rabbit hole of how snakes mate, how snakes okay. have sex, and they do they do it by connecting their tails there's a small opening like the genitals of both the male and the female are like inside an opening nice. so when you see like the caduceus staff of hermes yeah. of how it's like two snakes twisted around a staff like that that's what happens they and then they coil around each other and they ah. tense up and it's just like it made, started making me think about a lot of things like this strange like tendency we have to like choke each other during sex um, mm. is, sim is similar to like how snakes coil up and wrap around each other and they make compression on each other when they're making love with each other yeah constriction of the breath and everything yeah yeah isn't that isn't that crazy i was like i think we're i think we're playing on touching on something that's a uh, outside of our of our human cells when we when we do that because uh -huh, it's a yeah. very very big tendency that people love like a lot of people oh yeah like, yeah he, heat of the moment yeah like even if you act like you don't love that stuff heat of the moment if it starts happening it's like yeah what's up yeah exactly exactly that, so it's just know? like it's that's kundalini man if we're just yeah so i'd love to talk about it dude we could keep going forever man i know yeah we're putting a bow on it right here wonderful all right roman well man th thank you so much um yeah everybody please check out roman's podcast um are you are you active on social media are, are you pretty active on facebook do you like people to follow you on there or anything or Oh, so yeah, hit me up on Facebook. That's just Roman Merrill. Um, but if you guys do the the one social media I do do a lot of do do uh, is <laughs> Dookie Telegram. Uh, Telegram is a group messaging platform. Huh. That's like it has the compa um, the user friendly compatibility that Facebook and Instagram has. Um, but it's like. So I'm in a group. I sent you this on Facebook Messenger while we we're chatting. I'm in a, like a group of podcasters, like the one on one podcast, the interverse podcast. Us, uh, like there's uh, Cheney and Project Cheney. Like there's a bunch of really cool podcasts, and we'll do group shows mm -hmm. commonly. But we all have mm -hmm. our own Telegram channels, and Telegram is awesome. Um, I hope I if you don't have Telegram, Jake, please okay. get on it, dude. Like I'll join you to our uh, RFTA group. We have like 200 people on there that's in a group chat and like everybody's just sharing books, music, wow. articles, all this stuff. So it's it really amazing great. and overwhelming at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I would love to. Uh, yeah, please send it my way. I do actually have, I think, one friend just maybe I do have the app Telegram. Um, I have a friend who has like a small, like 15 person uh, men's chat that um, he had invited me to, to be, be a part of. And I think that is on Telegram actually. So, but yeah, um, yeah, do definitely send me that uh, or 
I, I will check into that link that you had already sent me. So noise. Nice. All right. Well, hey, everybody <laughs> listening, love yourselves. If you haven't drank, uh, you know, a pretty good amount of water today, it's like, what are you doing? Get it together. Get your life together. <laughs> get between the lines. Like, you know, sober up, man. Drink some water. Stretch. Love yourself. Um, um, yeah. What else? Like dance. Dance and play with your dog. You know what yes, I mean? Like, yes. Like you're never going to arrive anywhere. So, so play with your dog. Put your phone away and, and love yourself. All right, Roman, man. I'll talk to you soon, buddy. It's, it's so much love. I hope you have a good rest of your day, buddy. You too, brother. Thanks. Thank you for the chat, brother. Much yeah, love. Yeah. We'll be in touch soon. Bye. Bye. Better conversations with ourselves. Knowledge is power.